Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't miss your free chance to tune into Benzinga's very own bootcamp series on November 20th. If you're looking to dive into new concepts and grow your account, this one's for you. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. So, as I was saying, a lot to get to on the show. We have earnings. You know this. We have GE, probably our story of the day. We may get to, if we have time, Robinhood, LiDAR names ripping here. Uh, NVIDIA, AMD, there's just so much going on. Let's bring Joel on here. Joel, good morning. My head is spinning. I can't keep up with the market. Please bring up your charts for us and let us walk through them, and then we'll bring Dennis on. Did I did I miss the intro? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I miss seeing downtown Detroit. All right. Let's see here. We're down six handles at 46.88. We made a new all-time closing high yesterday, but we didn't make a new all-time high. So that makes your 46.94. I'm gonna call that the number for the remainder of the week. Down five three quarters handles at 46.88 and a quarter. Crude up 34 cents at 82.26. Just kind of hanging out here above 82. Let's see if we can hold 82 the remainder of the session. Gold down 210, but still above 1800. Silver stuck in the 24 handle. That's down about a dime at 24.44. Bitcoin futures up $1,570 at $68,055. Ethereum. That's up $35.75 at 48.35 and a half. Uh, we got to bring tri- tri- is Triple D ready to come on or is right, he still, uh, I'm always okay. ready. He's always ready. How you doing, Dan? I I feel I, I'm going to you- tell you. You have so in trading, you know, there's, you know, and in in the casino and everything, there's an edge, right? You're trying to trade the edge and your edge might be 51%, it might be 52%. Maybe you got to kick ass edge and it's 60%. You know, it's all about the edge, though. You're trying to take the edge. But on any edge, there's a random, you know, on any given trade, there's a little bit of luck involved. It's random good luck sometimes, and it's random bad luck sometimes. You know, I we know I trade overnight. I often have 50, 100 positions overnight. Sometimes I don't have that many positions. I didn't trade much last night, so I didn't have very many positions. But I happen to be short one stock, and I want the chat to guess which yeah, short, that's guess. which that's stock guess. do you think Dennis was short overnight? I'm already covered, so I can freely talk about. It, but which stock do you think I was short overnight? Let's drop, let's, drop let, your let guesses in the guess. chat. Drop your guesses in the chat. Drop your guesses in the chat, <laughs> and you can tell I'm in a bad mood kind of already, so you know I'm probably on the wrong side. And if Roblox would be a bad guess because I don't take stocks usually short into earnings. It's usually going to be random news. And yeah, they're getting it now. <laughs> random news. Random news. Financial engineering hit me in the pocketbook here this morning. I'll tell you that much because, yes, indeed, I was short General Electric overnight. Yes, indeed, I have covered General Electric already and ate my loss because when you get hit with random news and you're short a stock overnight, what do you do? You eat the loss and you move on. And that is what I have done here. I came in, when I came in this morning, actually, I didn't get in here until late. It was 6.45. And I bring up my, you know, my, I'm bringing up my quotes and bringing up everything. And I look at GE and it's up 17 points. And I'm like, did it get taken over? I'm like, what? Like, there was, it wasn't earnings. It wasn't on the calendar. And then I'm looking at the pro and I'm like, oh, splitting up into three companies, a little financial engineering trick. It was 125 when I came in this morning. 
I ended up getting out at 119 and a half. So I ended up getting out a little bit better. It's 117 now. So I guess I should have held on more. But show the pre-market chart of GE. I got it. That is an explosion. Um, it was over 125. Yeah. Oh, I guess 125. So when that big purple candle happened there, I got out on that big purple candle and moved on. But wow, that's uh, that's some bad luck. Yesterday, it was short Caterpillar and a bunch of infrastructure stocks. That wasn't good. Today, it's G. So it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. Dennis, people are saying you need to adjust your trading strategies. Absolutely not. So on any given thing, there's a random of luck. And if you try to start adjusting your strategies because you got a bad two-day run, but you have a history of the you're strategies in, of working well for years, you do not adjust those strategies. You continue to do them. Um, if if it was like, if it's something else going on, it's different, but you get hit with random news. That's not bad trading. That's bad luck. So there's a big difference between bad trading, bad strategies, and bad luck. And once you're in the game for 21 years, you can decipher it pretty quickly. Am I trading bad or am I having bad luck? I actually traded G fairly well. I was 125 and I'm like, well, that's stupid. And then it came in and I saved myself six points. So, you know, only up losing nine or whatever. You can say, oh, well, that's just, you know, a horrible trade. It's bad luck. So in any given thing, you're going to, if you trade enough, you are going to have some good luck and some bad luck. The key to successful trading around the luck is to maximize your gains when the luck is for you and to minimize your damage when the when when it is against you and that's what you got to do that's how you've got to approach it you know you're gonna have some good trades too i mean i was long fisker overnight i'm long fisker in the long term account but i was also long it overnight that's some good luck it's one of my favorites up six and a half percent here's why i've already sold that day trading portion but i've still got my long-term account i didn't touch it in my long-term account but you see on any given trade there's some good luck there a little bit of good luck you try to maximize that as much as you can so the worst thing you can do, and this is like what, what, what we like talking about is, you know, different strategies. The worst thing you can do is have a strategy that works like for you for the last year and you have a bad two days with it and you stop doing it. Because you know what? On any given strategy, would the casino close the doors because somebody came in and hit, you know, on, the, you know, and, and, you know, and, and hit it big, on you know, the, on, on, on a, a random slot game? Or something. Yeah. yeah, on a slot machine. The slot machine pays out. And they lose big time on that slot machine that day. Do they close that slot machine down? No, they keep it running. And they know if the players keep playing, eventually that edge will work in their favor. So if you have a statistical edge, you keep employing it. It's like people will say, oh, I'm having a bad trade. You know, oh, I'm losing too much on the day I stopped trading. I never do that because I'm trading statistical edges. So I keep trading that day. And a lot of days, like yesterday, for instance, I started the day down significantly. I ended up scratching yesterday. So I clawed myself out and scratched myself out of the hole. If I would have stopped trading at 7 o'clock in the morning because I had a bad overnight trade in Caterpillar and a couple infrastructure stocks, I wouldn't have got my money back. But I did get it back because I'm employing statistical edges throughout the day. Well, I'm starting a big hole today because of GE. Will I stop trading because of that? Absolutely not. I'm going to continue to employ my statistical edges and maybe starts to dig your way out. Maybe it doesn't. I mean, maybe I'm just going to have a really bad run in my 53, 55% edges. The other guy is going to hit. The other person's going to hit and hit and hit. And that can't happen. But the worst thing you can do is adjust all your strategies because you had some bad luck. And I just have to say that you're, you're the best loser on Wall Street. I mean, there is. I don't think so. Yeah, no, inside, you are. I'm like looking at that GE, and I'm no. like, want to shoot GE the finger. I'm no, like, oh. no, so Dennis, I don't know you about just, that. No, you can come on and talk about it, and you know, that's just the the, the maturation process of you know. I mean, you started with me a long time ago, but you've just taken things just like to such a far level to you know to be able to do this because your first inclination is, man, I'm selling more. I want to sell more, and that's the wrong thing to do. You you moved on, you covered it, right? Whatever, wherever it ends up today, it ends up today. But you know what? Your mental capital right now, your approach to the market is it's different now. If you still had that G on, you'd be like, oh, should I put a bit out at one sixteen? Yeah, yes. you're glued to it. You're right, yeah. Joel. You're glued to it. You're like, I can't take my eyes off it. I'm all, I hope it's going to come all the way back down to flat. You think it's going flat today? Do you think it's going flat today? Do you think they could do a, a split the company in three and it's going to come back flat? It's probably highly unlikely. It could. Market can do anything. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe it comes all the way back down. I look like an idiot for covering it at 119. 
But, you know, maybe I already look like an idiot for covering it at 190. Yeah, who knows? But it looked pretty good compared to 125. And I'm thinking some financial engineering here, three for one, you know, splitting the company into three. Give us the news anyways. Yeah. But I don't even know if we gave you the gave the news. Uh, the news is what you said. They're spinning, splitting the company into three. Uh, they're going – it's going to end up being – uh, a renewable energy uh, and power segment. They're going to combine that, spin that off. Uh, the healthcare segment is going to be spun off as well. And what's left is the aviation business, which will be its own separate entity. So aviation, healthcare, and renewable energy slash power. Those are your three segments for GE. And it's sort of the, uh, um, I don't know if it, if you if you want to call it the culmination, but since Larry Cole has been at the helm, what, uh, two two, three years now at, at GE, and, and, and they've, he's been deal-making from day one. He's been spinning off assets. They did the re- reverse, but as you yeah. mentioned, um, and, and this is sort of like the culmination of that entire effort. What, what I will say, and you know, we'll have Kramer come on and applaud this in an hour because it's trading up and he just chases price, uh, but what I will say, Joel, and I think you're going to agree with me here, is they seem desperate to oh, get their stock price higher. Reverse split? Like a reverse split that wasn't needed. Like why were you doing that? Because And they even said they wanted the stock price higher. They, You know when you split a company to three, the stock price is in the short run going to go higher. Does that equal long-term growth? Is that the right thing to do in the long term? I have no idea in the long term. And nobody knows anything. But they know in the short term by doing this, the stock price is going to go higher. So I guess, you know, I always thought management's supposed to be concerned with running the business and the stock price to look after itself. But in this case, I feel like GE, over the last couple of moves they've made, are more concerned about their stock price than running their business. So I want nothing to do with this long term, um, you know, but I know when you split a company into three, it's going to pop up and they can trade anything. So, you know, it's looking good on the charts. It's breaking out on the charts. You can see that technically here. You don't want to be short stocks making new highs on the move. And G absolutely is doing that, breaking out here this morning. It wasn't before yesterday. It certainly is now. So, but I just think they're desperate to get the stock price higher. I think they need to stop worrying about the stock price and st- stop worrying about financial engineering and start running the businesses better. Well, That's what you, I'd like to Wouldn't you see. be desperate if it went down for 20 years? Well, and maybe that's the thing to do. Maybe it is. I don't know. They've done everything wrong. It used to be Honeywell and GE, and Honeywell showed you what you know how to run a business. And obviously, you know, at one point in time, GE was buying out Honeywell, and then that didn't get any trust. And GE has went straight down ever since. The Honeywell's went straight up ever since. So they've just done a lot of things wrong over the years. I, I I was a GE shareholder for a long time. You were too, weren't you, Spencer? Weren't you in GE? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say a long time. But... I think I was seven or eight years in GE. Right. And it was one of the worst yeah, did, stocks. Yeah. Worst stocks. I, I was in it from like probably like 2002 to maybe like 10 or 12 years. And it was just a perennial underperformer. I think I actually ended up losing money over the course of 10 or 12 years. I remember justifying saying, well, I got 3% dividend every year. <laughs> and I've held it for 10 years. So I only lost a little bit. So I actually was still getting paid. But. Really, that was just a been a horrible stock for twenty years. I don't know if this three for one split turn, or, or splitting up into three companies turns it around. Uh, I'll just make a couple comments. Uh, technically, um, I don't think you're getting back over one twenty six, but anything can happen. One twenty six forty is your pre market high. If I had this stock long, I'd just be laying out offers all the way up. Bigger size, the higher you go. Even one twenty four looks like a good number. If you're looking for support, this is just fifteen minute support. Doesn't mean anything. One fifteen. I saw it on the last couple brackets, and then Dennis. The one thing that is a positive is they didn't split it into six parts. <laughs> never know, maybe, never maybe you get all these companies and maybe they're all, I mean, AT&T did that. Remember a number of years ago, split it up and I got, I was long AT&T and I got three companies out of it and a big special dividend. And it seemed all good. We got AT&T wireless and, we got something else. Lucent, something else. Wait, I'll tell oh, you. Yeah, wait, wait, I, 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 Dennis, I'll tell you. You got Lucent. You got Avaya. Did you get I like that too? Did you I get Bell yeah. Labs. We, uh, are, we got a whole. It was so hard to get out of holding I, I sold. For the I years. sold some of it. The reason, and I remember doing my taxes, and I was like, "Oh my god, what is my basis on this?" I because I, I think Lisa had it from like her bat mitzvah or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> anyways, it was given to her from her bar mitzvah. Uh, bat mitzvah. Yeah, she has taken too much of her time. Yeah, let's, let's go move to on. PayPal. Move Can on. we go to PayPal? 
Yeah, we can go to pay. Yeah, you're right. This is it says movers. I followed. I looked at the thing and I says movers. I was like, I got a mover. PayPal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. PayPal. I mean, yeah, the earnings. Okay, we'll go there. Uh, Earnings uh, last night. uh, EPS uh, they beat their sales. They missed, and their guidance was uh, not great. Bill Big D was talking about people were saying bye 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 this into the report. I don't know if he was listening to pre market prep, pre market prep plus, or at the close show because I don't remember either of us saying that. It got the pop. It's been in the downtrend. Overhead supply. People seeing this at two forty are gasping for air. Oh uh, now you're making a new mo- low of the move two fifteen oh two uh, two fourteen fifty three. What's next on my monthlies? I'm just going to go to my monthlies here, and uh, ooh, we're below that. Oh, and we're below that. And uh, 206.65, 207, call it if you're looking for a level. I don't know if we'll get there we, today, but more are, people buried. We are clearly back into the market where the strong gets stronger and the wow. weak get weaker. And the PayPal had turned, it was Pinterest that turned this entire story around when there was rumor that they were going to pay a ridiculous amount. They say no, and the market still doesn't care. And now it gets the pop. And what do we say? Stocks that are in downtrends, you sell the rip. And holy macro, did you get a rip off earnings last night? Somebody bought this up to $244 last night on the report. What a gift. It was taken away in the next candle. It was taken away two minutes later. Down to 235, down to 230, down to 225, down to 215 now. Now you're down 15 points and people are saying, it's so cheap. I'm buying it's so cheap. Cheap stocks get cheaper in this environment. How do I know that? I've learned the hard way again and again and again. And I'll tell you from a trading perspective, I want nothing to do with it. From a long-term investing perspective, at some point in time, maybe it's a buy. But let's wait until it gives us a point of reference. Let's wait until it gives us something. And if you're buying a long-term account a day before earnings, you know, it's always going to be a crapshoot. So here you are. But I'll tell you, when the stocks are leaning down and they get the pops on the earnings, those pops are met with new sellers because there's bag holders all over the place. PYPL not firing on all cylinders here now. It is now down a cool 100 points from the all-time high. So I don't know what to say. At a certain point in time, value investors will come into PayPal, but I don't know if that's today. And, uh, well, you kind of got a little hint off the Square report, too, the way Square reacted. It was all, you know, it got the pop and the dump. The other thing, too, and, you know, I don't know where you break it down in earnings and everything, but what, what did it just go up with crypto? Like PayPal and Square? Weren't yes. they like crypto yes, stocks? Crypto yes, stories. Yeah, now not crypto's really. ripping. And, well, not any, well, whatever, whatever relationship was there. Um, it's going, but uh, keep an eye on your pre-market low. I don't know what to tell you if you're long. Um, I mean, and why does it have to be a buy? You know, that's the thing. Like, yeah. maybe it's turned. What you know, like the whole time on you know talking with people on pre-market prep plus, gotta buy Moderna. You gotta buy Moderna. This is the pullback to buy. I mean, when stocks turn like that, it's I mean, hard it, to go it's back so up. hard. It's so it's hard. So I'm not saying you short it or whatever, but. You know, you know, maybe we'll look back in, you know, five years and like PayPal and Square, like, well, who are they? You know, I mean, and, and we like, learn as we keep going here, too. I mean, think yeah. about, you know, from my perspective, I was like, OK, eventually Ford and GM are going to have the catch up trade with Tesla. And maybe Ford has to a certain extent. GM has done well. But you know what the bottom line is? I probably would have just been and when I was saying this a year ago, I probably just would have been better buying Tesla. To be honest, yeah, you know, oh, for like sure. you look back and yes, Ford has a hell of a, has had a hell of a run. But if you go back to a year ago, Tesla was 400 to 1200. That's a triple. Yeah, Ford has almost tripled too. So it has kept up, but it was a bold call. And yes, Ford is benefiting from Rivian, which we might as well talk about right now because they just took us there and we're talking. Might as well. <laughs> I mean, Ford is obviously I'm still long my Ford bought it at seven dollars a year ago. Still a believer that, obviously, the F-150 is going to be a huge seller for them. We can't even get normal pickup trucks. They're, and, and they literally can't go in there, and you can't get a truck because of the chip problem. Um, I think, you know, it's it's huge. Is it overdone now? Because, you know, in the short term, because we got, you know, the Rivian stake. They're, they're now jacking it on. Every time Rivian gets a positive headline, Ford gets jacked up because they do have a stake in Rivian. Um I think the I think it's over I think it's overbought short term. I think it needs a pullback here now. I'm not selling my Ford, but I wouldn't be chasing it at this point in time. I mean, it's just got the momentum. 
I mean, there's, you know, you're standing, I mean, about 20, uh, made quick work at 20, is trading huge volume. Uh, the only thing I'll say about uh, a Ford today is, and, and this is not, it's not a perfect formula, the pre-market highs turns out to be pretty good numbers because people, you know, just for a potential resistance area, yeah, maybe it could rip the 21, but there's so much stock that has to be moved in something like Ford that in, in the way it trades is like if they want to sell 2,784,000 shares at, at 2080, they're not going to be afraid, you know, the, you know, they're not going to be afraid to put it out there. I mean, they know they maybe they're actually want to sell it at 2060 or better. So uh, just keep an eye pre-market high, uh, 2080, that's where you stand. And then, of course, uh, support, wherever unchanged is, 57 minus 42. What's that, 15? So uh, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at in Ford, F, letter F. Yeah, my thought was, are we going to look back in a week or two and three and think, oh, that Rivian IPO, yeah, that was was the top. They've sold 156 trucks, not 156,000, 156 total. It's going to have the market (laughs) cap of General Motors. You know, we're 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 in crazy town, but I mean, stuff. You know, they're going to grow, and maybe it is going to be the number one truck seller of EV trucks in the future. You know, Ford believes them; they have the stake. But you got to know what you're paying for to a certain extent. Um, I, 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 it's not for me. Um, shout out to Luke Jacoby. Ford was his pick of the year back in like January. He must listen to pre-market. Print he's got because we're our pick in October. He's got a lot of call options. Good for him, Luke Jacoby. You nailed nice this job, one, Luke. Man. Uh, so congrats to you. Um, it's eight twenty-one. We're gonna have our guest on in around fifteen minutes. Dave Laval. He's a global head of ETFs at Grayscale. So you know we're talking Bitcoin ETFs in about fifteen minutes or so. Smash a like for us. You want to talk Roblox slash Unity right now? Sure. I say we do. Because Roblox uh, wow. is your big gain, one of your big gainers of, of, of the morning here. Earnings last night, uh, EPS, we don't really care, but it, it did beat sales. Uh, again, not really comparable. Daily active users up 31% year over year. Think about that for a second, right? We talked about the reopening trade and everyone going back to living their lives and not being glued to screens all day. Roblox day, DAUs up 31% from last year. Peak COVID, right? Wow. I mean, the move. And it was one that obviously not too many people anticipated because this was going down into the report. And it was weak. And basically, it has gone nowhere, Roblox, for the better part of six months. Now you break out and you immediately, one thing to consider if you are trading stocks after hours and you got the FOMO going, bring up you know your chart and at least look at where the all-time high is at a bottom line look where the all-time high is because when a stock rallies 25 bucks in all likelihood it's going to run into trouble where the old all-time high is and joel i don't think this after hours high is a coincidence the all-time high 103.86 after oh, hours it did sneak right. up to 105 oh. i'm going to call that within a buck when a stock's moving in crazy oh, times, a yeah. buck wide I'm going to say it stalled out right at the old all-time high. Oh, yeah. So you know, that's your I'm... target. I mean, if you've got this thing and you got calls. or And remember, people, remember, if you're long calls, you can always short the stock. Because I, I get this all the time. It's like, I wish the option market was open so I could lock in my gains. Do you know how to you... lock in your gains when you're long calls? Use your calls for what they're used for. You can actually short the stock against those calls and lock in those gains. Because if you're long the 80 calls and you short the stock at 100 or 102, 103, you just locked in your 22-point gain. So you don't have to wait. Now the thing's 96. So remember, if you are trading options and you're long options, you can use those options for what they're worth. And you can always hedge yourself by just selling the stock short against your calls. And it's the same thing as selling your calls. Well, it also depends what platform you're on. Um, if you're on well, that's Robert, if you're on a platform <laughs> that doesn't allow you to do that, right? Right. Doesn't you allow should you to be. short stocks. You should, you should consider yeah. maybe if you're doing it as you know, uh, uh, if you want to get serious about your trading, you should consider a different platform. Then. So, I mean, a lot of short sales, and this is where we look at short interest, and a lot of times those are hedges against long calls, believe it or not. But you know, nobody wants to hear that. So. There's nothing in here. Uh, and the only thing I just wanted to note on this was, and I just looked uh, I just looked in pro. Remember they went down over the weekend? Remember uh, that? That was, that was like two or three weeks ago. Yeah. No, but yeah. it's just funny. I, I, sometimes like I, I mark, 
you know, like where how stocks traded that day. And what was the, the news the, on it when it went down? It went down. Uh, I don't know. It just went no, down. Like, it, it, like like the platform was down for like an over entire the weekend. weekend. Yeah. You oh, know the what? Roblox this, platform. Yeah, yeah. You know what though? This is really. Uh, you you talk about um, stay at home stock. You know, we really you know had this was kind of lumped in, right? Wasn't it? You know, the gaming stocks. That's, that's no? what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And was it though? I mean, Roblox is like a kid's like it, it's mostly kids on there, is it not? It's expensive. Uh, yeah, yes, Who's it on Roblox? Yes, it Who's, is. You're right. It, it's a little bit different animal. It's not like you know, okay, we can't go to work. We're you know going to sit at home and you know we're going to play Activision Blizzard games. I mean, I, I think it's kind of different. I never really put Roblox as a stay at home play. Okay, but but I mean, you, you could say it. I guess you know maybe what that's why ask? it's showing some weakness. You know who we haven't had on in a long time. And I know he pay his kids uh, have it. Um, Bill Santiago. I remember him talking. That he was get him, going, get yeah. him on the show. I didn't know his kids have it. Get him yeah. on the show. Yep. Yep. Hey, but and, all, and it is a play on the metaverse too. So yeah, I'm going to say that as well. It is moving off this too is ticker U Unity. Did you see that one this morning? Yeah. Yeah. And and obviously the software behind a lot of the thing behind the thing like Jason Rasmus. Give a shout out to Jason. He's in the chat room. This yeah, morning. he's in the chat. I don't know what's it's going been on. A while. He got up early today. He's in the chat here today. But the thing behind the thing, Unity Software is the thing behind a lot of things. I mean, Pactor was on this show. It was eighty nine dollars. He said, "I love this company. I bought it. I sold it at one ten. Again, taking my gains way too soon. It's one hundred and sixty eight dollars. I'm like, why did I sell that again?" Well, I thought it was too much too fast. Well, it was, and it pulled back, but I didn't rebuy. It's always my problem. So Yeah, see, I, that's that's like one trick. Uh, it's just too hard to like sell it and rebuy it. I mean, I know you do it. I just Hard prefer, to do. Yeah. I and prefer- that's where I mess up. I don't do it, Joel. That's my problem. I'm actually pretty good at identifying. I think it's overdone here now. And, you know, maybe I should sell it, but then I don't get back in. And I'm like, why didn't I get back in? So you just, you move on. You forget about it as the problem. So, well, then you I, also obviously got... the story is still intact. You know, Unity software thing behind the thing, what Jason always talks about. I mean, it's I, I think the stock's going to be a $200 stock eventually. So I think on pullbacks, you got to be buying you. Um, but it's run a what long was... ways. I don't know where that pullback is. I'd like to be in. I know I know what's cooled you on the buying back um, the stock thing. Um, it was a, It was a biotech stock. That you had and you sold, and then you bought it back, and then oh, I just did it with Penn Gaming. That's no, cool. No, 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 that wasn't fat. no, no, no. <laughs> I think you sold it like one twenty, and then you bought it at ninety five. Then ended up getting taken over at eighty. It was oh, a, no. it was a pharma. It was a pharma. There's company. been a lot of different trades. I've yeah, been in, so. yeah, and you were like, I rebought it and you know averaged up, and then it ended up. I know, I hate averaging. Oh, a sell gene. Celgene. Yeah, I hate I averaging up. and I sell, So I had my cost basis on Celgene. I had bought it years ago. It was like $25. And uh, the stock went to 150 It pulled back to 90 And I doubled down. I brought my cost basis up to 60 or something. <laughs> I like the cost basis from 25 to 60 And then the stock traded actually down after that to like 50 And I was like, how did I take a 400% winner in my long-term portfolio to a loser? You know, so anyways, eventually it did get bought out by, by Bristol Myers, I believe, and it was um, you know, hundred dollars a share. So I got it back, but I like I don't like that raising my cost basis that much. It's probably why I won't buy Apple in my long term account anymore to raise up my cost basis. I don't wanna end up being a loser eventually. It sucks uh, I'm raising up that cost basis. Just unity real quick on the tangent. There's someone not major, I mean, but someone's lurking in the 170 handle, uh, and that's not a bad number if you're looking at your all-time high, your all-time high, 174, 94. Now, this is moving off someone else's news. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I just got an echo now. What yeah, happened? He's gone now. Okay. What are you doing there, Spencer? Uh, but pre-market high is? We blame cool. Spencer. 171 even. Wait, wait. Do I For real, do I sound okay? Yeah, you sound uh, You just got loud for a second. He sounds oh. fine. Okay, sorry about that. Um, what hey. about DoorDash into earnings? People are asking about it. This is your classic, I believe, this is a stay-at-home stock. And uh, maybe they're going to blow it away. I tend to think it's up 3 bucks here this morning ahead Ooh. of the earnings. We know there's alpha to extract from being long stocks ahead of earnings, although yesterday it wouldn't have worked on this one. This morning it is working. 
ah, man, I'd be very, 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 very extra nervous to hold this long into this report. After I saw Peloton, after I saw, you know, you know, well, Zoom has leaked since then. Maybe the expectations are low enough that, you know, obviously some people are going to be thinking along my lines that, okay, well, this is going to pull a Peloton. So maybe you're going to have some people that are betting on the bearish side. And maybe that's going to help it out. Maybe DoorDash makes a difference, but I'm scared to own this one long. I don't have a position and I'd be, I don't know if I got the guts to be shorted into the report, but I'd be scared if I was long, just my opinion. But I look at that Peloton down another $5 yesterday. And I think could, could DoorDash get Pelotoned? I don't know. There, there, um, isn't, there isn't a lot of history. Sorry, Joel. There isn't a lot of earnings history on DoorDash, right? But what I will tell you is this stock, if you look at the last, it's three reports, right? As a public company. Um, pretty much without exception, will just trades down after earnings. Oh, oh, okay, well, maybe the trend is not your friend. That, here. That's what maybe it's going to trade up. Do they break down the by restaurant? Like, do they no. ever see statistics like that? Because no. to me, someone that gets DoorDash for McDonald's, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I'll be at them take, you know, sneaking your fries, you know, which I used to do with, you know, when I used to get the kids on Saturday night, we go out, I get them to Burger King special. They'd be like, dad ate some of my fries. And uh, I just, what did I, you know, you spend, I haven't been to McDonald's in a hundred years, but you spend 10 bucks at McDonald's and you're paying what, 250 to get it delivered and it's going to be cold. I, I don't understand the concept. Obviously, I'm not trading it. Do, do you want me to go on a two-minute story on oh, yeah. Dash and McDonald's? You know, so yes, I, yes, this just reminds, yes. This just reminds me it. of a story. So um, I, I won't obviously say the person's name, but friend works at a mental health center. And their inmates there, there's some long-terms that are just in there forever. And they get some discretion. Apparently, they get discretionary income of like $100 a month where they can just spend it on like whatever they want. And I guess this one guy at the mental health center orders like 30 Big Macs every single month and he has them delivered like DoorDash to him in the mental health center. He sits there and just eats Big Macs for two days. He doesn't give them to anybody? <laughs> what, I, what's that, Joel? He doesn't share them with anybody? I don't think so. I think he just like that's I think it's that dis- is. I didn't know they have like discretionary income. Like obviously, you know, you're in there, but you have. So not for everyone, probably, but the way, and I'm in Ontario, I don't know if it's like that everywhere, but there's some type of discretionary income they get every month, they get like a little allowance where they can spend what they want. And every single month, the order is like 30 Big Macs, and just sits there and eats them all. Can hey, you man. imagine? Hey, man. That'd you be so awesome for like the first three Big Macs. And then he'd be oh. sitting there and you're like, I don't know if he eats them all in one sitting or if he eats them all. I think you would probably must eat them over the course of a couple of days, but hey, maybe that's, he's uh, for that's that amazing. Movie. He so likes, DoorDash has a place for that person right there. Wait, wait, can't very not... well go out and get the Big Macs himself. Wait, this is also off topic, but did you read the article the other week about the guy that ate all his meals at Six Flags for like two years? Oh, wow. How do you feel? <laughs> <laughs> he right, likes anyway. Six Flags, eh? Because he, he realized if you buy like an annual pass, you yeah. get two meals a day. And he, and he worked right next to the park. So he just ate the Six Flags. So he everything. just ate the Six Flags. Anyway. Let's right, get him on the show. Oh, what was the are... show? The Big Mac or the McDonald's show from the guy like 15 years ago? Yeah, Super Size me. me. Super Size Me? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then he made a sequel that was all about chicken. Oh, right. did he? Right. And, and apparently all his, after eating McDonald's for 30 days straight for every meal, he was ready to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. McDonald's didn't like oh, that. You know what? Boy. The stock went straight up after that. So it got so much publicity. They're like, oh, this is going to be bad for it. But McDonald's was like 18. Remember that was the, the back in like 2002 or 2003. That was like McDonald's bottom when it got down to like $18 a share. Super Size Me was going to put McDonald's out of business. And it got so much publicity from that movie that the sales exploded. <laughs> You know, this People is going not, out there trying all right, to okay. eat. Uh, all right, all right. This is not a good show that Raz is listening to here, okay? Raz, gonna, I, don't know if he, I think he laughed. He, he laughed, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing this back here. I'm bringing this back. We have our guest in the studio. Task. I'm, I'm going to bring him on right now. Dave Lavallo, global head of ETFs at Grayscale Investments. Hmm. I wonder what we're going to talk about with Dave. Let's bring him on here. Mr. Laval. good morning. Welcome good morning. to the Market Press. How are you guys? 
doing fantastic. We're a little, a little bit off the rails here, but I'm trying I hope to get not back. So, um, let's. No, start I was this. listening. It was fascinating, guys. I was I was enjoing <laughs> that. Super size me right into Bitcoin makes a lot of sense, right? Can you get, go? <laughs> you can you can buy you can buy your McDonald's with Bitcoin, can't you? Is when McDonald's going to start taking Bitcoin? That's what I want to know. When is McDonald's going to start accepting Bitcoin? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I, that, that, that's what I want right, to that, that, Let Spencer guys. take things away here. Go ahead, Spencer. No, no. I, I just want to start with this, uh, Dave. So explain to us, because, you know, Grayscale, you've, of course, got the GBTC and you've got the Ethereum uh, and the Litecoin uh, trust as well. Explain that you've applied. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming, I wish I'd used Indeed. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility all at Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Just go to Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash P-R-E-P. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc to convert the gbtc into an etf explain that process for us what what goes into that yeah so a lot of times when you talk about an etf conversion um what we've seen historically is more like mutual fund conversions um, and people uh, often equate kind of the GBTC conversion uh, similar to, to a mutual fund conversion. It's actually a lot simpler. It goes back to our founder of our parent company, Barry Silbert, back when GBTC was envisioned. He really had the belief that this was going to be, you know, a, a digital store of value. And it was something that people he thought people were going to want to invest in. And, you know, as a result of that, he made the strategic decision to structure GBTC exactly like GLD, which is a, a well-known physical gold ETF, which is structured as a Delaware Grantor Trust. And so, you know, uh, when he envisioned it, having that long-term view and that, that long-term strategic view, he structured it with the ultimate goal of actually being an ETF that looks very similar to some of the most actively traded and most successful commodity ETFs in, in, in the marketplace. So GBTC is structured as a Delaware grantor trust. Um, and it has a couple of, you know, nuances that, 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 that make it different than GLD. And so to, to really transact this conversion or to execute this conversion, a couple of things have to happen. Number one, it needs to be uplisted to the New York stock exchange. And the second piece is it needs to, um, you know, have simultaneous creations and redemption. So, you know, right now there's no redemption function uh, for GBTC. And so once that simultaneous creation and redemption can happen, it will behave um, exactly the same way that GLD or SLV or IAU, some of the most actively traded uh, commodity ETFs in the marketplace uh, trade. And so, so it's actually quite simple. Uh, it's really a matter of getting regulatory approval. That keeps the price in line. That's such an important function there for your ETFs. And Absolutely. Other, yeah. So, yeah. So, and you sort of hit the on the key point there, which is that GBTC looks like an ETF 
and some people probably just assume it is. Some people, frankly, probably don't care that it isn't because it looks like one. And some people probably right. very much do care about right. the technicality, right? So right. can you explain, aside from the lack of creation redemption process that currently exists in GPTC, what are the other differences between that, you know, versus what we know of as an ETF? Yeah, so so with all of our products, we essentially have a, a four-stage life cycle to them. They start off as private placements, and and after um, a, a waiting period, a regulatory waiting period, they become, um, you know, traded on the OTC markets. And after um, a period of time, they then you know file Form Tens and become SEC you know registered companies. And so that means they're kind of filing eight Ks and ten Qs, and you know have a a, a number of different dis disclosures um, that would equate it to to an SEC reporting company. That that point of becoming the SEC reporting company is really the penultimate step, um, with that last and final step being a conversion to an ETF. So, you know, it, it, it's um, you know it's interesting that oftentimes I'll I'll be talking about grayscale and people will assume that we we you know list closed end funds because you know these products can trade at premiums and discounts, um, but the reality is they're they're Delaware grantor trusts. Um, they just haven't had that same, you know, simultaneous creation and redemption, which again is what would, you know, optimally keep the product trading in the secondary market on an exchange very closely to that asset value and, and you know, would preclude it from trading it, you know, significant premiums or discounts. And, and frankly, that's exactly why we have, um, you know, been so active in our constructive engagement with the SEC. Um, we've been having great conversations with them for many years about, you know, our investors' desire uh, and and demand for a, a spot Bitcoin ETF. Um, they want that. Um, we're kind of acting on behalf of our investors, and we're we're engaging with the SEC. And obviously, most recently, you know, have put um, you know a filing in with our partners uh, at the New York Stock Exchange uh, to try and achieve this. They, they have this in Canada. Um, it, it, have you looked in the Canadian markets? Is Grayscale looking to go over there as well? Or have you? I don't even know if you have, because um, obviously we do have Bitcoin ETFs and Ethereum ETFs that are uh, on registered exchanges in Canada right now. Yeah, we, we obviously pay very close attention to what's happening in the Canadian markets. Obviously, there's been some um, you know progress in the European markets as well. Um, those two markets uh, are, are obviously markets that we pay attention to, but but are really focused on the U.S. market. It's obviously where the vast majority of um, our assets are. Um, and in the history of kind of, you know, the ETF market more broadly, I think there's been a tremendous amount of kind of what we would call southbound flow. When there's liquidity and when there's ticker recognition, um, we've found that the Canadian market uh, comes to the U.S. market. And I think that's something that that we would think would be similar with a GBTC conversion as well. You, uh, Dave, you mentioned the trading at a premium. Uh, the the ETCG also you read also trades at a premium to net asset value, and and, and as I understand it, a, a, a pretty big one. Uh, and and that's a feature, not a bug, right? That's correct. It's just yep. a feature of the of the the reality of these products trading um, on the over the counter market, still being private placements. They're obviously trading in the public markets, but you know, still have, um, you know, a creation function, um, you know, or a subscription function without a redemption function. And so ultimately, this is a function, you know, this is this is a matter of kind of supply and demand and 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 fixed number of shares in the marketplace. And supply and demand will, you know, deem whether or not this product is going to be trading at a premium or a discount. They behave like a closed end fund in that sense, but they're not closed end funds from a structural perspective. We're on the line with Dave Laval, Global Head of ETFs at Grayscale. Um, you know, getting away from the ETFs and getting away the way the currency is trading and everything. Can you like put your futuristic goggles on for me? And you know, when you know when the old transact or you know, like a a larger part of U.S. dollars transactions is going to be in Bitcoin because that that's the thing to me. Like, I carry my credit cards. I'm the only person that probably carries cash. I mean, eventually. It has to be more transactionable. What what do you see? And better yet, like what comp I know there's companies working on it. What do you see? Five years, ten years, fifteen years? What do you see, Dave? No, goodness, that's a tough that's a tough one for me. You gotta you have an ETF guy on the line here. Um, you know, what, what I would what I what I would say to to answer that question is, you know, I think Bitcoin has proven itself to be a store of value. Um, you know, in, in terms of some of the other products in the marketplace and, and digital assets and digital currencies in the marketplace that are really more focused on, you know, transactional 
uh, function, I think Bitcoin has proven itself to be a store of value. And as a result of that, um, is really finding a place for an allocation in investors' portfolios uh, as such, right alongside their gold allocations or other allocations of different asset classes. And so the reality that digital assets are now being viewed um, you know, by not only self-directed retail investors, but all the way to the largest institutions in the world, um, you know, all of these investors are looking for an allocation to, to you know, digital assets and digital currencies as a real asset class and as a segment to their portfolios. And so I think that's a really a critical, critical component to, you know, how this asset class is going to develop. Um, and I think there's certainly going to be opportunities in the future for, for different assets or different currencies to be more transactional in nature. But certainly as we look at Bitcoin and, and, and some of the other more mature coins, it's really a, a matter of um, defining a store of value. Uh, Dave, good question here from our chat from TJ Mosley, because you mentioned you'd have to uplist to, to the NICE. Right. Why not the NASDAQ? Uh, we've been a long partnership with uh, the New York Stock Exchange. Um, they've yeah. been good partners with us, uh, you know, through all of our regulatory conversations. Um, you know, it's it's, you know, SIBO and, and NASDAQ and NYSE, um are our three listing venues that would be, you know, national exchanges that we could contemplate our uplisting. Um, we've had a really strong relationship with the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, absolutely nothing against SIBO or NASDAQ or their platforms. Uh, but the New York Stock Exchange is who we've partnered with. And the New York Stock Exchange um, with their ARCA platform, which is their ETP listing platform, is who has submitted the, the 19B4 filing on our behalf. And then I imagine you're feeling just better about this whole thing now than you were two months ago before we oh, yeah. got our futures ETF. Right? Yeah. So now that we have those Bitcoin futures ETFs here in the U.S., um, I, I guess, how, how do you feel about the likelihood? Because like you said, it really it all comes down to SEC approval here and getting, getting them on board. So um, right. how are you feeling about that right now? Well, look, we, we, we certainly, um, you know, Chair Gensler about three months ago, you know, at the Aspen conference came out and made his kind of first statement around comfort with futures being held by a 40 act structure. And so everyone was, you know, taken aback by those comments. But, you know, look, the SEC has been very consistent in their messaging um, and that's been and very transparent in their messaging. And so, you know, uh, a few firms filed for futures based products in a 40 act wrapper. Um, you know, obviously the ProShares product was uh, approved first. Um, absolute record inflows, which was fabulous to see. Um, and then, frankly, to be honest with you, from my perspective and from the industry's perspective, uh, the entire marketplace responded incredibly well. And that product has been trading um, very efficiently uh, with tight spreads in the secondary market. Now, there's obvious differences between a futures based product and a spot product. Um, we, we, we certainly uh, prefer and think that the spot based product is a, a better structure. Um, you know, futures based products are inherently more complex for the asset manager uh, to manage and then also for for investors experience in, in their interest in kind of, you know, precisely tracking the underlying asset. Yep. But we were very deliberate um, in when we timed our filing. And once the SEC had approved these futures based products, um, we felt like it was the perfect time for us to reengage formally with a 19B4 filing. Uh, which would allow us to get back into a really constructive dialogue in the public forum, um, allowing us to to engage with the SEC and the staff uh, and to find a path forward for this spot product. Again, our, our investors want this. That's where the demand is. And so we're acting on behalf of our investors and you know really amplifying their voice. And fortunately, since that um, 19B4 filing has been you know publicly noticed, uh, we've actually seen some some you know positive comments uh, where investors have come out proactively and and really kind of exercised their own voice in in support of this filing being approved. So October nineteenth, I believe, was the filing, maybe give or take a day or two, uh, and you've got a seventy five day review window, right? Well, it's a little bit different. Um, so, so you, you, there's different types of filings with different, um, you know, public kind of notice periods. So, for for this particular filing, um, it's a 45 day period. Oh, um, that 45 day period could be extended by another 45 days. Um, then there's a, a another notice for proceedings, which could extend it for another 90 days, and then another 60 days after that. So, what? So, wait, so wait. frankly, uh, sorry to sorry to confuse. It's a 240 day, um, you know, uh, 
essentially comment period in in four separate stages. So oh so sorry. I, yeah, I wish this um, I wish this could be a seventy five day waiting period with uh, immediate effectiveness, but um, that's not that's not the structure that we're in. Uh, part part of the reason why I think there's some confusion around that is with the the Bitcoin futures product. Um, in a 40 act wrapper fell under a, a rule that is commonly known as the ETF rule. And that ETF rule essentially allows immediately effective filing. So you file for a product that falls under the uh, ETF rule, also known as 6C11. Um, and after 75 day waiting period, that product becomes effective and it can start you know, trading and be listed on an exchange. Th this particular product doesn't fall under, under the, the ETF rule and, and therefore requires um, more review by the SEC. And so there's some statutorily, there's some different timeframes and, and waiting periods and comment periods. You started off saying how simple this was, but now I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, more confused than ever. <laughs> look, look, guys, it, it, it's not a simple thing when you do something novel uh, in in the markets. Uh, okay. But we're committed to it. We're excited about it. Um, you know, again, we've been having a constructive dialogue with the SEC for for years now. We'll continue to do so. And listen, we're sympathetic to the SEC's position right now. This is not easy stuff to deal with, um, but we know that we have uh, a strong voice. On behalf of of our investors, we have over forty billion dollars that are that are tied to GBTC. Um, we certainly want to see this conversion happen again. Um, we we want this product to be tracking the net asset value of Bitcoin very tightly. We know that if it's in a spot ETF wrapper, it will do that, um, and that will allow our investors to have a real true experience uh, in their Got exposure it. to Bitcoin. Got it. Dave Laval is the Global Head of ETFs at Grayscale Investments. Dave, a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Pre-Market Prep. This is great, guys. Thanks for having me. And Thank I also you. want to mention uh, Grayscale will be at the Benzinga Fintech Awards today. They will be on a panel about how retail investors change the market at 4.10 p.m. BenzingaFintechAwards.com for that. All right, we got 10 minutes left into the show. Uh, and How did they not get the ETF? I mean, you know, the, these other companies, I mean, they, they've been around forever. I got, I yeah. don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, it just hasn't been approved. So, well, it's complicated because you, you're talking about a, a spot, you know, uh -huh. going off of spot I, Bitcoin, which is not that, that, that ain't, that ain't so easy. Um, what we got to talk about LIDAR. We got to talk about LIDAR. We got to talk about LAZR today. It is an absolute monster uh what is the stock up now like 38 percent this morning it's actually come off its highs i think but laser announced uh that well yeah they announced that they were selected by nvidia for the nvidia drive uh hyperion autonomous vehicle reference platform so lazr uh got, how high did he get this morning got 30 bucks right on the kisser you're now six bucks off that so it's going to be a little bit tough for sledding now as you've seen sellers have come in i'd be looking for an inter a quick target here i'd be looking to see if it can even get to 2680 that's 260 away uh trying to find support at 24 but that's all you could say 30 right on the kisser pre-market high and then I'm just going to rip through these. EVGO, EVGO was your big gainer yesterday. They had another headline, actually two more headlines more this morning, a partnership with Uber and a partnership with General Motors, wow. and we're just rip city here. The EV trade is so hot right now. Um, I don't know like where the, you know, if it's, you know, all these things are overbought, you know, all these things are circuses in town probably, you know, at a certain point during the register, but, but I mean, they're in, total rocket ship mode these things can go anywhere they want here at this point in time so maybe you're trailing up your stops just i mean you know everybody thinks when the stock goes from 10 to 18 it's going to 50 sometimes they do a lot of times they don't so i mean you got to know why you're in it but wow it's a big move uh you did hit 19 and but you're not you know the bulls are not giving in yet so a little support at 18 to see if we can get through 19 uh, if you're really, really bullish and 19 is not good enough target for you, your next monthly high comes in at 21.95. And uh, Spoose had a nice rally here. Did we have some data? I think, it, did we, it, I, uh, I think we did. Kind of dovish data, it must I, be. I feel like we did at 8.30. We were talking, yep. you know. CPI, was it? I wrote it down. It was, Wait, it was CPI, Joel. PPI. 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 It wasn't CPI. I would have had to go wide. But we rallied. 
we've we've rallied back up. I mean, buy the dip wins again, right? Isn't that when it's a spy? I should stop doing that. Herb, just start uh, just flat buy. out buying the dips on spy. I'd probably make more money. Yep, up two fifty. <laughs> every dip on spy is just a trade that seems to keep on paying. I don't know right. when it ends, but wow. Right. Uh, AMC is actually quiet this morning, right? After their report, um, a lot was said, but I think really that's word central. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, I they seem to be that. in the business of buzzwords. I tweeted that last night. Yeah, what they're okay. So the the numbers are that their losses, their losses, their losses narrowed dramatically. They only lost, I think, around two hundred mil compared to nine hundred mil the 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 year ago quarter. Um, but then, like Dennis said, it it it, it they talked about making their own cryptocurrency for some reason and accepting that as payments and and Three the popcorn buzzwords. thing and and I don't know NFTs. Yeah, Three buzzwords. They tried to hit everything. Like, I think that they looked through and they said, well, what is everybody's talking about in the stock market right now? We're going to talk about all those things on our conference call. It's ridiculous, to be honest. It's 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 honestly just ridiculous. But um, the whole thing, whatever, I mean, it doesn't go down. It's holding up. The technicals are still okay. The pullback probably gets bought. The apes are showing they can control things. So props to the apes. I mean, the fundamentals make zero sense. You know, they're trying everything they can. You know, obviously using buzzwords because they know that the valuation doesn't make any sense. The company knows that. Um, you know, I see that Nicole Kidman commercial. They obviously dropped a lot of money. Well, which of, one, Dennis? On There's that. like three of them. Yeah, I know because they got a lot of money. So, <laughs> I mean, this is honestly unbelievable that, you know, the market has held this stock up as, stock up as long as it has. So, AMC and GME, props to the traders that have been able to control price here because I always, you know, was under the impression that eventually – you know, these pops on, you know, these ridiculous moves can come back down to earth. But in this case, AMC and GMA is held up very well. So the apes are showing that they're holding strong and obviously they're getting more apes. You know, the one thing to consider, and, you know, the apes don't mention this, but obviously talking about the AMC apes, um, you know, that we're holding. So they're of the impression that as long as we hold, the stock can't go down. But really for the stock price to go up, you need more people buying. So it's impressive that it continues to go higher. And, you know, especially in the last week or so, because you're obviously finding more buyers in there. So I'm impressed that it's held up as long as it has. Am I coming in here and investing in AMC? No, because it doesn't make any sense. But um, I'm not going to argue with people who made money with it. You know, good good job. Uh, a lot of people, I'm sure, would like to see that close at 45.06. That was a close from yesterday. That's a few bucks away. Kind of hanging out. I don't think, I mean, right now, I would keep an eye on yesterday's low at 41.77. You're still a buck above that. Sniff 42 in the uh, after hours. So uh, I would say apes are still in control unless you take out yesterday's low at 41.77. And then someone in the chat mentioned AMD. We we, we can do AMD and oh NVIDIA together. God, AMD. Impressive moves. The strong get stronger, the weak get weaker. It's a type of market that we are in. Um, at one point in time, Intel and AMD were the same price. They were both $75 a share, and AM, Intel's fallen $25 from there. AMD's doubled from that point in time. Though strong get stronger, the weak get weaker. We're back in a Momo market. For a lot of 2021, we were in a contrarian market. That is not the case in the last few weeks. We have moved as traders. You have to identify when the tide has turned, when the overall market has turned, it's a Momo market. This earnings season changed it to a Momo market. So what does that mean? It means that not necessarily chasing works, but I want to be definitely buying just stocks that are, instead of just randomly buying every dip, I only want to be buying dips on stocks and uptrends right now. So because the strong gets stronger and the weak get weaker. So that's how I've adjusted my trading over the course of the last few weeks. As things have changed, I was just buying every dip before and selling every rip because you're kind of in this market. But now you're in the trending market. So now you're buying, if, if the way I'm approaching is I'm buying dips and stocks and uptrends and I'm selling rips on stocks and downtrends because those trends continue to persist, at least in this market that we're in the last few weeks. Uh, yeah, let's do rip through a couple more here quick and then we got to end the show at nine o'clock today. Let's do, um, oh my gosh, we didn't even get to Panera. We didn't talk about Robin Hood. Smile Direct Club is your big loser of the day. Earnings I got lucky in this one. You did? Yeah, because I had this in the law and not in this in the swing trading account when everything was getting you know short squeezy and we were talking about these stocks and I had it in that swing account. I've been looking at it and I was like, I'm like. There's no way I'm holding this sucker through earnings. <laughs> so I sold it like, and I almost forgot about it. 
Like I knew I had it, but I was trading busy. And I was like, oh yeah, I got to sell. I wrote it down. I was like, oh yeah, I got to sell my seven mile direct. And I sold it at 357 um, at five, like 26 or something, because I was like, I don't want to hold this through earnings. I had it in there because it was one of those stocks. We, you know, some of these smaller stocks had been picking up some life as of late. Um, and this was one that, you know, was, I thought it in the last couple of weeks, I've had it for a couple of weeks in there. You can see the consolidation that I was looking at, Joel, low fives. And yeah. I got up at a couple of times. I could have made some money on this thing. It went up to five. I'd bought it around five and a quarter. So I basically scratched the trade. Uh, but thank goodness I sold that thing right before that report. Cause I had a bad feeling that that wasn't going to report a great number. So lucky uh, yeah, on that one. Yeah, the earnings missed, the sales missed, uh, and the guidance was extremely light. And actually, the same thing for Blue Apron. Those are your big losers of the day. Smile Direct Club and Blue Apron. Uh, Smile Direct Club, all-time low, under $4, 364 Yeah, lows. 364 Or if you're looking to cover short, uh, Blue Apron. You you were talking about that stock ripping the other day. Because it, it was. Okay. All right. Yeah. When the stocks, oh, uh, look at it. Okay, it did. It came back. I'm just saying what it's doing now. Seven bucks. I see seven bucks. I see a low breaking trend. So one thing to consider: this is a stock in a clear uptrend. You're getting a dip. So what I just said finds dips on stocks and uptrends. I'm just not 100. percent I like the trend when it's breaking. So now you don't. You're losing trends. So that's the difference. If it was, you know, like a trend down to like nine on this, you know, maybe or eight fifty. But now that it's come out with the numbers and it's breaking trends yeah. and earnings on it, I don't follow the story. Is it earnings yeah, on it? Yeah. yeah. So, again, when you're trading something technically, you don't usually want to hold it through a fundamental report. So, you know, just know why you're in it. If you're in it for the story, you're in it for the earnings, you're in it for the company, it's a different story. If you're in it because the chart looks good, I know J.C. Peretz, um, I think he avoids the earnings too, um, you know, when he's trading. If you're just in it just for the technicals, fundamentals matter when you come to these reports. So you got to be careful, you know, that you don't get stuck with something from, from technical trade and then caught from fundamental news. All right. I know Spencer, you got to wrap. I just, uh, I want to thank Irina and Brian for both uh, going to premarketprep.com and still purchasing uh, the educational videos. And oh, we have a couple more people. Yeah, yeah. We have a tab there, educational videos. So you can purchase these indefinitely now or first two. And we're going to have another event. Which December, we're start 11th. December 11th. It's going to be on order execution. You know, we're talking about slippage. We're going to talk about, you know, because executing your trades, more looking at, you know, how do you, and we did some tape reading, but more like when you're getting down dirty, you like the stock. Okay. Now, how do I buy the stock? What do I use? What type of order? How do I get in there? That's what we're going to talk about is the execution. Because if you can reduce your slippage, you know, and get better execution, you can, some of those edges you can improve, obviously. Yeah. And, and, and that, and also just like how to, how to just be quicker, right? How to not spend a minute. For sure. How to not spend a minute on your trade ticket, right? You know? Yeah. Like, so I go, you know, and obviously Bright Chain was set up maybe a little bit faster, but if, you know, and obviously I have some automation too, but on my point and click trades, like I see, I go basically from idea generation you know, to execution in a lot of my trades in under five seconds. So my, my literally, my, I bring it up and I can buy my stock in like probably under two seconds, maybe under a second. I just go, I want to go boom, boom, one click, bang, done. I go hit, boom, done. So it's really oh, fast. Yes. Like, Whoa, was that just you that just sold everything just now? <laughs> Oops. Uh, hey, I'm gonna hop. We missed, we missed, uh, we missed a lot of tickers. I'm gonna hop over to premarketprep.com. Premarket Plus, join me, Spencer. We'll All righty. See you at the close. Thanks. No, no, at the close today from you, Joel. I, I got the fintech awards. You, did you send me a Google Calendar invite for the awards or uninvite? I uh, I did send you an uninvite. I think. Uh, okay. All, all right. right. Uh, hey guys, we got earnings today. I'll do it on premarketprep.com. All right. This is your calendar for today. After the Ooh, close, nice. look, it's on Tuesday. Cool. We talked about DoorDash, right? You got Coinbase, Fubo, Win, Unity, big names reporting tonight. Yep. Have them on your radar. Oh, yep. crap. Disney's tomorrow? I did not know that. Disney, House of Mouse is, uh, no, House of Mouse Wednesday. House of Mouse yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. That's, oh, yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap. Ooh, I think yeah. I knew that, but I forgot. Well, I'm right, looking at know. the after hours. I see multiple sessions here because I look by session. So I have the after hours session on Tuesday. Yeah, the morning session on Wednesday. So I see it as almost three sessions away, <laughs> even yeah. though it's tomorrow. People look at one day. I look at three sessions in every day, the pre-market session, the regular session, and the after hours session. There's three sessions in every day. Whatever gets you through the day. All right, Dennis. I have a better rest of your day, man. Okay.
you can turn around. If anyone can turn around, it's Dennis. Hey, we are going live right now on the Benzinga FinTech Awards. What is this? Like the seventh annual Benzinga FinTech Awards? Uh, BenzingaFinTechAwards.com. It'll be right here on YouTube. This stream will end and redirect you to the actual show. Uh, again, BenzingaFinTechAwards.com to see the whole agenda. We're spending the whole day celebrating all the innovation happening in fintech, financial services, trading, investing, crypto, NFTs, a whole day. We do this every year. Uh, it's, it's, it's one of the biggest days of the year for our company. And, and hey, if you're in New York City or in the area, check out the after party. I was not invited, but I'm, I, uh, I'm not in New York. So uh, you're invited. If you're in New York, check uh, go to BenzingaFintechAwards.com to learn to see how you can do that. And on that note, I'm ending this show. The Benzinga Fintech Awards are live. Please hit that like button. And remember, all the information on our show is for informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Have a great rest of your day. Let, let's go start the Benzinga Fintech Awards. On November 11th, join us for Benzinga's 7th Annual FinTech Awards. It's going to be a day full of networking, deal-making, and recognition of incredible achievements that you won't want to miss. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.